a good move. Why'd you dance him? Dancing is forbidden. crew welcome to dancing is forbidden an aqua teen hunger force exploration i am ronnie and on this podcast i am watching through and talking about every aqua teen episode one episode at a time and the episode we are watching through and talking about this week is season two episode 22 the come on man look at that cloud that ain't normal no it's not well See you at my party. The, or I suppose you could call it the, whichever, premiered December 21st, 2003. So you know we'll be digging into all sorts of pop culture around that time. But this episode is pretty intriguing to me because on paper, it's kind of really similar to Super Squatter. But at the same time, it covers some new ground too. For example, I like whenever they address not only the Aqua Teens being poor, but also this kind of a neglectful situation that Meatwad specifically can find himself in because of Master Shake. This episode touching on the themes of really, yeah, just just someone young in someone else's care and kind of suffering the consequences of their own caretaker's decisions. We also get some interesting kind of character development, maybe. I don't know if that's the right word, but from Frylock, because as we know, he just leaves Meatwad, and we just see this whole thing play out. It's a very interesting episode, lots of character stuff going on here, and just just overall a pretty sad episode, too. But of course, lots of humor in it. I'm also excited we have J. Wade Edwards in this episode, voicing himself, and I will play you some brand new clips from my interview with him that I did not play in, in the full interview that I put out last week. Of course, if you haven't heard that, please listen to it. It's a great time. But I saved some clips from our interview for this episode specifically. So this is brand new information that you have not heard yet specifically regarding this episode. But all right, as you know, before we discuss any more about this episode, we've got some other things to talk about. First up, our Aqua Teen news this week, and I feel the most pressing matter, the most important thing to mention here, is that some people, if you were lucky enough to attend the New York Comic Con, have seen the new film Plantasm a month before release. Now, as I mentioned, I did not go, but I'm kind of kicking myself now for not having tried. I probably could have gone, and I also probably could have gotten a press pass and been able to kind of interview the guys who worked on the show, so kind of disappointed in myself, but hey, it's all right. I'm going to be working through some backdoor channels to get those guys on the show anyways. We'll see if anything comes of it. But yeah, I kind of bummed at myself, but also, hey, it's whatever. I'll see the movie next month. But yes, I have not seen the film, and also I have avoided plot spoilers. I will not be telling plot spoilers on this podcast unless the information is officially released. What I will tell you, though, is that... From what I know of people who have seen it, they really liked it. Everyone has great things to say about this film. They say, oh, it's like it's like old Aqua Teen. It's so good. It's amazing. And it's just hyping me up so much to see this movie in November. If you saw it, please let me know what you thought. Don't, don't give me spoilers now, but let me know how you liked it. There is some information that I am going to mention now. And this is not a spoiler because we knew it was coming ahead of time. We just didn't know the form it would take. So if you don't want to hear the spoiler, skip ahead a bit. But uh, again, it's not like a plot spoiler or anything. So we knew there would be some interactive element to the film. And now we know what that interactive element is. 
basically my understanding is at the beginning of the film, you text a number and the Moon Knights kind of live text you during the film. So you will get texts on your phone corresponding to the movie, which I think is great. And the reason I'm even saying that is because I don't think this ruins the film in any way. I mean, I imagine a lot of people won't even do this when they watch the movie, but I think it's a really interesting idea. And Dave Willis was right. He's like, I've never heard this done before. And now that I know what it is, it's like, yeah, I don't think I've heard of that done before either. So really cool there that, you know, Plantasm, hey, it's coming out soon. Some people have seen it. And there's also a panel that accompanied the the screening of the film. I have not watched the panel yet. I'll probably either talk about it in our next episode or put out like a special episode about the panel. I don't know. I don't know anything it says really, but I have heard some rumblings, but I'll, I'll leave it there because I think we might even have like a whole episode of stuff to talk about from that panel. It sounded pretty interesting. But all right, speaking of Plantasm, I finally got my button gear and I set up some Amazon affiliate links. So if you would like to buy that movie from Amazon, you can. Please check the links in the show notes because if you use those links in the show notes, Amazon will send a little money for the podcast, basically. They'll send it my way and it will cost you nothing extra as if you just bought it normally on Amazon. So please consider doing that. It's just a cheap way to support the podcast because again it doesn't cost you anything you get to pre-order the movie and all is well but all right that's the bulk of our news this week really quickly i would really like to shout out jake b and hannah b they have started a new podcast that i am really enjoying it is called podcast of horror and this podcast it is going through all the simpsons treehouse of horror episodes but it's a daily podcast it's all throughout the the month of october so they've been going for about a week now and every day they upload like a 20 minute episode of just just this married couple talking about these episodes that they both love and i have been enjoying it so much much. I am not a huge Simpsons fan, but I, I did grow up on it. And I'm just, I just love reliving these episodes with, with Jake and Hannah. And the reason I want to shout them out that you might be interested in is Jake actually runs the Aqua Teen Forever Instagram page. So you might have found this podcast because of that Instagram page. He's been very kind uh, sharing my show and supporting this show, letting people know about it. So I would like to return the favor, but just genuinely, I, I love their podcast. You don't have to be a big Simpsons fan. They don't go as in-depth as this podcast. It's just all the Treehouse of Horror Halloween special episodes every day they're covering a new year and it's, it's a good time check it out it is called the podcast of horror link in the show notes but all right before we move on I need to say this now because I keep forgetting to talk about it and it's a really cool observation and when I put out the episode on the dressing over on Twitter Captain Buford had this to say to me you say Turkatron is reacting to what shake is watching on TV I always took that scene as Turkatron talking about the TV itself that he had a run-in with at the conflict of Mechanical Advantage 6. Like the TV is Billy and he is strapped to the wall, man. So great observation from Buford here. I really don't know how to take this with that in mind. I assume still that Turkatron is talking to the little turkey on TV that's flipping around and, and pissing and shitting and everything everywhere because it's like, why else would they have taken the time to put that on TV? They could have had just any other in-universe show. They could have had the TV off, although, of course, then it wouldn't get in the way of Shake watching TV. I don't know. I have to assume 
if they're going to put work and time and money into something, it's probably significant. But at the same time, having said all that, I can still 100% see it being that he's literally talking to the TV as being Billy. I don't know, but great observation from Buford. It's really got my mind running in different directions now and something I never considered. And that's what I love about doing this podcast, because as a kid, I always thought it was the turkey and Buford here. He always thought that it was the TV, so it's cool to just get that completely different perspective, and at this point, I could see it being either one. But alright, that is it for our Aqua Teen news and community business this week. Let's see what the heck was going on the week that The premiered. Finally ending their journey, just walking across New Zealand, back and forth, back and forth to the top of the box office. This week, we have the Lord of the Rings, the return of the king with a cool, a big, a fat $72.6 million this week alone. I'm not sure if I really remember this one coming out. I mean, I'm sure... I was aware of it when it did, but I was never super into these movies as a kid. And as an adult, I've tried to watch The Fellowship of the Ring, the first movie in the trilogy, like two or three times, and I just can't get through it. I don't know why. On paper, I love these movies. I saw the first Hobbit movie in theaters, and I loved it. And for some reason, I just can't get into these. Maybe one day. Maybe I'm just not old enough yet, but eventually, I'll get into it. Unfortunately, no shared cast or crew from what I could find between The Return of the King and any Aqua Teen stuff. So that's a bit of a bummer, but I mean, hey, it's to be expected. It's not like old Elijah Wood ever showed up on Aqua Teen. That's his fault. Elijah Wood, though, actually a huge Smashing Pumpkins fan, so maybe I should be a little bit nicer to him. The Return of the King has just insane scores, of course, as you would expect. Has a 9 out of 10 on IMDb, 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. And on IMDb, this is the highest rated Lord of the Rings film because the previous two films had an 8.8 out of 10. This one, a full 0.2 higher. So, hey, this film, I'm sure it's pretty good. Seems like it wraps up the series pretty well, or, or the trilogy, rather. And I mean, just a juggernaut, they're releasing this thing. They know what they're doing. They're putting it out at the end of the year. They know it's just going to sweep everything. And that's exactly what it did. That's what's happening in the box office this week. Let's give a little sweet listen to our top album this week. That is 22-year-old Alicia Keys singing her heart out on the Diary of Alicia Keys selling over 618,000 copies this week. That song I just played being If I Ain't Got You, which seems to be the most popular song from the album. And let me tell you, I'm excited to say that this is apparently Alicia Keys' most well-received album with a, a 3.44 out of 5 on RateYourMusic.com. Her previous album, which we have kind of talked about on this podcast because her song Fallen was a number one song for a while back in the uh, first season of Aqua Teen. That record was out. That's her second most popular record. This seems to be the big daddy, though, the diary of Alicia Keys. And Alicia Keys, she's still making music. She's only 41 years old, but which was a shocker to me. I thought that she would have been older. But yeah, if she was in her early 20s when this record came out, then, you know, it's been about 20 years later. So she's only 41 now, still putting out music, still doing her thing. 
And you know who else are still doing their thing in 2003? We have Outkast with Hey Ya taking up our number one song of the week and Linkin Park with Numb taking up our number one alternative track. So that was our music discussion for this week. And on video games, surprise, surprise, it's the end of the year. Nothing is really coming out. So instead of just trying to find something to talk about, let's just leave it there. That is our pop culture this week. So it's December 21st, 2003. You know, I normally kind of stage these little stories like somebody who's my age. I usually say, oh, your mom gets you this, your your dad gets you that, whatever. I'm going to do this one for the younger listeners. You're not even born yet. Let's talk about your parents. Your dad, he just took your mom to this new flick. It's called Lord of the Rings Return of the King. They had a good time. Your mom, she even gave him a smooch during the movie. And then on the drive home, your dad says, Hey, baby, check under the seat. I got something for you. She's fiddling around looking for whatever's under the seat. <gasps> she feels a little square under there, a little plastic square. <gasps> she pulls it out. It's the new Alicia Keys record. That's exactly what she wanted. Happy early Christmas, your dad says with a smile on his face. They pull up back to the crib. It's a little late at night, but the night's not over yet. They're about to flick on Adult Swim. And let me tell you, as the story goes on, it is no surprise whatsoever that you were ever conceived, that you were ever born, and that you were ever raised to still be alive and listening to this podcast. What a love story. What are your parents watching on Adult Swim the night that the premieres? Well, first of all, 11 p.m., you know, we've got it. We've got the brand new episode of Aqua Teen. Uh, crazy name. I should mention here, sometimes this episode is called The The, but on the DVD, it's just called The. So that's what I'm calling it. Uh, I know on HBO Max, it's The The. Uh, this just sounds fucking stupid just saying it, but <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what's going on here. I'm just going to call it The. So that's a new episode coming on at 11 p.m. on Adult Swim. 11.15 p.m. We get C-Lab 2021 with iRobot. Really, a new episode. I love the title on that one. A play on iRobot. They just add really on the end. That is all of our new episodes this week because normally we've been getting new Space Ghost, but that season, that very short season of Space Ghost is over. So at 11.30 p.m., we get Space Ghost Coast to Coast with Whipping Post which is the second episode of season eight. That's what we've been talking about these past few episodes is season eight of Space Ghost. So they basically just kind of start over here, it seems, on episode two. And the reason I say that is because the first episode of season eight is Baffler Meal, which is kind of an Aqua Teen episode. So it just starts over with Whipping Post here. From there, at 11.45, we get the Brack Show with Enter the Hump. Midnight, we get the Oblongs with Please Be Genital. 12.30 a.m., we get Mission Hill with Kevin versus the SAT. 1 a.m., Cowboy Bebop with Ganymede Elegy. And 1.30 a.m., we get Rain the Conqueror with The Vanquished Arise. So that is our night this week. It's the same thing we've really been seeing. Aqua Teen, C-Lab, Space Ghost, Brack Show, Oblongs, Mission Hill, Cowboy Bebop, Rain the Conqueror. Just again, just two new episodes this time around. But the year is winding down. Not a big surprise. But all right, I don't know about you, but my eyes are starting to itch. I think I'm getting some sort of chicken infection or something. I feel like the only way to cure this infection is to talk about Aqua Teen. Let's go talk about the... Are you sick and tired of your eye not itching? Do you long for waking up with crust encompassing your eyeball? Do you find your normal white eyes embarrassingly boring? Wishing they were a more exciting color? Well, try this week's sponsor, Pink Eye. Just head to your nearest McDonald's children's play area, 
jump in that ball pit and touch every object in sight. After that, make sure you scream discount code dancing is forbidden while rubbing your disease ridden fingers all over your eye. Pink eye, it's a thing that can happen. This week's episode of Dancing is Forbidden is also, as always, brought to you by the Moon Masters over at patreon.com slash dancing is forbidden and signing on this week at the $5 duffel bag of cash tier, we have your boy Cactus signing on. You know Cactus, his voice clips have been all over this podcast as of late, and if you're on the Discord, he's chatting up a storm there too, bringing up all sorts of little interesting tidbits about the episodes that I never even thought to talk about. Cactus, he's told us before in his voice messages that he works three jobs. Well, guess what? Now Cactus, he's got a fourth job. He has to listen to my entire eight-hour coverage of the Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theaters alongside select Adult Swim episodes. And guess what? I'm going to be putting out more of those Adult Swim episodes this year, and now he's got to keep up with even more shit. I don't even know how he's going to do it, but hopefully he can find time. Thank you, Cactus. And and I mentioned Cactus is on the Discord, and speaking of the Discord, I gotta let you know, they've added this new feature called Forums, which basically allows me to now make a little forum thread for each episode of the podcast for more kind of in-depth, detailed discussion on the podcast episodes. I'm excited to see how Cactus is gonna use those. And hey, why don't you join them? Join the Discord, link in the show notes. It's a free chat app. I think you're gonna like it. And if you don't like it, Cactus, he's gonna prick you with one of his little prickly things. If I were you, I'd get pink eye right now to get some crusties on your eye, protect those eyes from Cactus's little prickles. Coming up next, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. The premiering December 21st, 2003 with a TV 14 rating. And I have to assume here it's just because of the, uh, you know, you know, Meatwad and Shake, their eyes get all messed up. Carl, he gets all messed up. Not really appropriate for kids, I think. Plus the Dr. Weird skit, as of late, you know, really just has some kind of weird body horror stuff. I don't know if this is really body horror, but just a lot of violence and, and, and whatnot. So it kind of makes sense to me. Nothing explicitly awful in this episode that I can think of. But overall, the tone of it really isn't appropriate for children, I don't think. Plus, as you might know, the Moon and Knights show up here for a brief moment, so anytime the Moon and Knights show up, really, it's going to be a TV-14, so that's to be expected with those characters. Although I should point out, in the episode Supercomputer earlier this season, the Moon and Knights did show up, that episode is still rated TVPG. But beyond the Moon and Knights, of course, as always, voiced by Dave Willis and Matt Malero, co-creators of the show... We have Ned Hastings, editor and producer on Aqua Teen, with a small little snippet. He, he leaves a voice message on Frylock's answering machine. And then Jay Wade Edwards shows up as himself in this episode to uh, break Frylock's heart, I guess. We'll just leave it there until we get further into the episode. If we could circle back to the name on this one for a second, I do want to point out, so of course on the DVD, it is listed as just the. On HBO Max, it is the, the. And also when the episode aired from what I'm seeing in like 2003 forums, it was evidently also called the, the, like ahead of time and stuff. So that was kind of like the official name, but then they changed it on the DVD. And in this episode, I will play you some conversation with J. Wade Edwards about this. And he kind of like says both as well. So who knows what it's actually supposed to be. Honestly, I think this is just a case of like nobody even really cares what it's called in terms of the people who made it. Just whatever, call it either or. There is no real name. But all right, I think we are ready to jump into our Dr. Weird skit. 
And I'm sad to say that this is our second to last Dr. Weird skit this season. And then there are no more Dr. Weird cold opens until a season eight episode has one. But that's it. So for all intents and purpose, for a long time, this is our second to last Dr. Weird opening. So let's check it out and see what's going on with it. So we open in on Dr. Weird. We see instantly he's wearing some sort of ceremonial kind of headdress, but it's made of bones. At the top of it is a skull. There is rib cages on the side, and there's just all sorts of feathers and other ornaments on this thing. Very, very interesting looking. Dr. Weird is wearing that. Then we cut to Steve, a close-up on Steve, and he's just like, oh, this is my two weeks or something like this. And then Dr. Weird, he's going to rip out Steve's spine. So that's that's the action here. Of course, there's some dialogue in between. Let's jump in and give it a listen. Yeah, hey, you know what? Th this is my two weeks notice. Sam Hain! Forever! Ho, <laughs> 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 oh. So that's it. I forgot to mention that Dr. Weird, of course, has on his hair helmet, so him having on this kind of headdress is very funny looking because it's kind of floating above his head. And then also he has on these these metal gloves that he doesn't normally have. They're like, they have these kind of talons for fingers. Very interesting here. But yeah, he, he rips Steve's spine out. He says Sam Hain forever. So there are two ways to take this. First of all, we have the holiday Sam Hain, which is an old pagan holiday, similar to Halloween maybe, where it's kind of a celebration of, or just a festival uh, about the end of the harvest season going into winter. But also, Sam Hain is a band fronted famously by none other than Glenn Danzig, who of course is in the episode Cybernetic Ghost of Christmas Past from the Future. And the band Sam Hain eventually changed their name to Danzig. So it's kind of the same band. So, of course, we have talked about Danzig on this podcast. Go back and check out the coverage of Cybernetic Ghost. But in this instance, I have to assume Dr. Weird is referencing the holiday. But he could be referencing the band. Who knows? Because clearly, Matt and Dave, writers of the show, they know who Danzig is. They are familiar with his music. So they could be referencing that. But yeah, this opening... Uh, pretty good, pretty decent. It, it's no, you know, the dressing opening with the killing of Space Ghost. That one's a classic. This one, hey, it's still decent. And at this point, we're running out of these Dr. Weird openings, so I cannot be critical of them. Poor Steve, though. He's about to quit. He's like, I know where this is going. I don't like how this is going to end. He just wants to quit. He's tired of being abused by Dr. Weird, and then he gets his spine ripped out. That's just how it goes, I guess. Similar situation here. I know how Steve feels. I got my back fucked up working at Target, unloading trucks. I know what it's like, Steve. You're not alone in this. So, all right, we are now ready to jump into our episode proper. Of course, this Dr. Weird skit having nothing to do with the Aqua Teen episode. So there's not a whole lot of setup here, and I'm not going to lie to you. This clip is pretty long. It's just all dialogue. It's about a minute long of a clip. I will tell you what's going on really quickly. We, we cut into Frylock and Master Shake outside the Aqua Teen's house. Now, I don't know entirely what's going on here because we have Master Shake with a mask on. He has a full gas mask on, and he is just pushing Frylock out. 
And I don't know if the idea here is Frylock was inside and then Master Shake pushed him out to talk to him, or if Frylock was going into the house and then Master Shake kind of met him at the door and pushed him out. I don't know exactly like what was happening before this because Frylock seems very confused by everything, which makes me think that Frylock was about to go in the house and then Shake stopped him. But yeah, we cut in. They are outside the house, like literally at the door. And then they, they kind of talk a little bit. We get Master Shake. He has his mask on, like I said, his gas mask. And we can't hear what he's saying. Now, you can tell he's saying the house smells like shit. And then eventually he'll take the mask off and he says something different, which is kind of funny. They they pull a South Park Kenny on the censors here because, you know, on South Park, Kenny's voice is all muffled because he's wearing a hoodie over his face. So they have him kind of get away with saying a lot of really bad things if you can make out what he's saying, but he's not actually saying them. Same thing here. Shake is clearly saying the house smells like shit, but because it's all muffled, they can get away with it. But so Shake, he will push Frylock away from the house, take the mask off. They will have a long conversation. They're literally just standing by Carl's house, kind of talking for a while. And then at the end of the clip, there will be an explosion out the left side of the Aqua Teen's house, kind of where Frylock's room is. So with that out of the way, let's hear exactly what's going on here. Why does Shake have this gas mask on? Hey! Ooh, God, the house smells awful. What? What do you say? I can't understand you. Oh, God almighty. I said I know. The house smells awful. Well, why? Why does it smell that Did way? Did we have to go to that tone already? You start off so nice. Look, all right, I'm sorry, okay? Just explain, please. Why? Well, this is what I did, see? You know how the flies have been a problem? No, I don't. And remember <laughs> when I left out a meet out because I saw Mr. David Lynch, I'm on TV, do it, and he got on TV from doing it, and I did it, and I didn't get on TV for doing it? No, I don't remember that. Well, I did. And because <laughs> of this, of course, you get rats. <sighs> so why does the house smell? I'm not done. Look, when we go in there, you need to watch where you step. And why is that? <laughs> <laughs> That is part of the reason. Now, let's just go in and remember what I said. So there it is. Again, Master Shake and Frylock were by the door. Then eventually, you know, Master Shake needs to step away from the house because he doesn't want to breathe the air in the house because it smells like shit, in his own words. He grabs Frylock and runs him over to Carl's house, and they have that conversation. And off the bat, this episode is already revealing its flaws and its issues because... First of all, this is a minute of just kind of setup for the episode, and this is really reminiscent of early Aqua Teen and also kind of early season two of Aqua Teen, where Matt and Dave seemed to, I don't want to say struggled, but they just kind of slowly got into what was going on, as opposed to other episodes where they just very quickly let you know what's happening and we jump into the action. This one, a tenth of the episode, is dedicated to the setup here. And when I mention flaws in this one, to me, the flaw is it's just so illogical, which, of course, I know it's Aqua Teen. We have that whole illogical asterisk upon everything we talk about with this show. But the reason I think that Frylock is trying to get into the house is because he's apparently been gone for some extended period of time because, you know, spoilers jumping ahead a bit. The house is a mess and it doesn't make any sense how Frylock would allow this to happen. And that's kind of what I'm what I'm getting at here. It's like, how did Frylock let any of this happen to begin with? Doesn't make sense. But that's why I think he was trying to come home and Shake kind of intercepted him and stopped him. Of course, it's Aqua Teen. And above all else, with all steps of production on this show, from the writing to, you know, everything, 
the biggest point was always the joke. So, you know, you just kind of got to go with it. It doesn't make any sense, especially this episode. It doesn't make any sense at all how this happened, but you just got to roll with the punches. So Master Shake basically says that, yeah, the house smells like shit. And then he's like, yeah, you know how the flies have been a problem. Then he goes into this business about David Lynch got on TV for, for leaving a bunch of meat out. So Shake is trying to do that to get on TV. First of all, I really like that. I like that Shake is trying to get on TV here. That's all he cares about, which really fits in with his character. So even though the setup to this episode is illogical, it does follow this logical through line of Shake just wanting to be famous. So he's just copying what David Lynch did. I like David Lynch's work. I've seen a few of his films. I watched all of Twin Peaks. I love Twin Peaks. I don't know what he is referencing here with this whole meat thing. I typed in David Lynch meat on Google and I found uh, apparently there's somebody who works at the store Publix in the meat department named David Lynch. I found his LinkedIn, but I don't know like exactly what they are referencing here with the whole David Lynch meat thing. So I had to look it up. I had to look up specifically like Aquatine David Lynch and I found a uh, user McCanyon on Reddit said that either it's a reference to his rat PSA, which was a 1991 PSA that David Lynch did for New York City, because I guess there was a rat problem at the time. And it's just dramatically like, hey, don't litter because we're getting rats and that's not good. Or a reference to some of the artwork in David Lynch's book Images, which was a, a photography book, I think, that came out in 94. And that's a book. It's not TV. So neither of these... I don't think are the case. I went and I watched the rat PSA. It's, it's only a minute long on YouTube. Maybe that's what it's about because the Aqua Teens do have rats in this episode. And then, yeah, Images is a book, so it doesn't make sense. So I don't know. I mean, I, McCannion, I think, gave the best possible information on this. I don't know exactly what these guys are referencing. So this could just be Shake being crazy. I don't know. But again... It does check out to me that Shake would be trying to do this because all Shake cares about is being famous. So it checks out with me that Shake would have done anything like this if it makes no sense at all. That's not my problem with this episode. But even then, you know, both instances that McCannion listed are from the 90s, which David Lynch was already on TV before that. So, hey, if you have an idea of what this is about, let me know and I'll tack it on to a future episode. Or if you just want to talk about Twin Peaks, let me know too. Speaking of which, I forgot that uh, a couple weeks ago, I made a, a Twin Peaks Aqua Teen Hunger Force mashup Twitter with just one clip from the dressing. I just put the Twin Peaks music, the uh, Laura Palmer theme over a scene from the dressing. It's pretty funny. And I made a Twitter just for that because I was like, maybe I'll do more of these and I'll just have it all in one central spot. So if you want to check that out, check the link in the show notes. Anyways, back to our clip here, back to our episode. So... Yeah, Shake is kind of like fumbling around trying to explain what's going on, which I like because he clearly hasn't prepared to explain this to Frylock. And when you're kind of caught off guard trying to explain something to somebody, you typically do like a poor job of it like this. You're trying to explain yourself. And that's what he's doing here because at first he mentions the flies and then he's like, oh, well, we have rats because I left meat out. It makes no sense whatsoever. But he says, when we go inside, you need to watch your step. And then we hear the explosion from inside. Meatwad is like, damn. And then Shake says, that's why. So we're going to cut inside now and see what the heck is going on. We are greeted with the sight of Meatwad basically splattered against the wall to the left of the kitchen, kind of by the hallway. Meatwad's splattered up there. He's also a little charred. And we see he's kind of slowly sliding down and there are what are supposed to be grease stains going behind him. This whole visual to me is kind of silly and not really in line with the art style of Aqua Teen. Of course, I'm not dissing it. Like, I don't know how else they would have done a better job. But to me, it looks a little out of place, but it's kind of silly there. We have Meatwad. His eyes are a little shell-shocked because 
what happened to him is we see these like proximity mines all over the ground and they're all really close to each other. So Shake put down mines on the floor, I guess, to, to catch the rats and Meatwad rolled into one and it exploded him. That was the explosion we heard earlier. And then the other visual element in the scene is the entire right wall of their living room, like where the TV usually is, is just blown out. We can see straight outside. It's a huge hole in the wall. That whole wall is just gone, essentially. And we see the Aqua Teens. Their, their TV is outside broken. Also, the stand that the TV is typically on is broken. There's just all sorts of debris out there. So that is the visuals. Let's hear how all this plays out. Let's hear how Frylock reacts to this. Meanwhile, are you okay? Oh, I got the whole hallway, man. What is the deal? What the hell happened here? It's opened up now. I got rid of that stupid fireplace, so now <laughs> the room has a flow. You feel it? We never had a fireplace. We never used it. We never had one. Oh, I never liked it. <laughs> so Shake never liked the fireplace that they'd never had that he apparently blew away to make room. You hear a lot of rats in that clip, and we do see rats. They're just kind of nondescript gray cartoon rats just wandering around, really for the rest of the episode, while we're at the Aqua Teen's house, of course. And the proximity mines, I did not mention what they look like. They're really simple. It's just like a gray disc on the ground with a little red center. And the idea being if you step on it, it explodes and, and you know, turns you into a splatted meat wad against the wall or just blows out an entire wall. And there's actually a really fun bit of trivia that I just discovered while looking at this image of the blown out wall. And that is in the debris of what is supposed to be the Aqua Teen's house, you can clearly see the debris is from Carl's house. And that is because they have so many assets of Carl's house being fucking destroyed. And at this point, really none of the Aqua Teen's house. So if you look, you will see the blue siding to Carl's house by this wall, which makes no sense why it's there. They haven't damaged Carl's house at all. Carl's house has nothing to do with this. It's literally just the broken house assets they have happen to be from Carl's house because his house has gotten destroyed so many times throughout the series. So this whole first half of the episode, I think, suffers from what a lot of early season two episodes did, especially something like Superhero, to me at least, is that it's kind of shake just going with it. He's just talking a lot, trying to explain himself, just making shit up. And it's fun, but there's not a whole lot to talk about regarding it. So let's just keep moving on here. Meatwad is going to carry this episode along. Usually Frylock's the one carrying things, but in this moment it will be Meatwad because he will mention to Frylock, who really has just been reacting to everything so far, to Shake's nonsense. Meatwad's going to say, you should see what he did to your room. Frylock's gonna want to see what happened, and then Master Shake will trick Meatwad into leading the way down the hallway to Frylock's room. He will, of course, hit a proximity mine and go flying across the living room. You should see what he did to your room. What, what do you mean? What did he do to my room? I'll lead the way. Meatwad, lead the way. Okay. <laughs> oh! Again! Hey, save some for the rats, huh? We're only friggin' infested with them. So the joke here really is, to me at least, like, why didn't he put down mouse traps if he was concerned about the rats? Like, how did he get proximity mines? How did he afford them? These can't be cheap. These can't be any cheaper than a fucking rat trap. It makes no sense whatsoever. Just silly. Poor Meatwad fallen for the oldest trick in the book. He gets blown away again. You think he would have learned his lesson the first time, but evidently not. So Frylock is now going to float across the mines because, you know, Frylock, he flies. He, he floats around like a Powerpuff girl. He just goes right down that hallway, no problem. And Shake, he's going to have a little bit of trouble 
trouble. He's going to have to navigate the hallway here. Because remember, there's there's mines all throughout the hallway. They're all right next to each other, so he has to take his time. What What's the deal here, huh? Yeah, hang on. Some of us have to walk there because we can't float. So very short clip. And something I want to mention, we do see a visual error. So what happens is Shake, you know, he's slowly walking from the living room area down the hallway. And in like the very last frame of the shot, you will notice a mine appears out of nowhere. It just pops up right before the shot goes to the next uh, scene, really. So kind of interesting. I don't know why that happened, what the case was, but somebody forgot to remove a keyframe or something. I don't know what's going on. But yes, a mine just appears out of thin air at the very last second in that clip. Anyways, Shake eventually makes his way down the hallway, and we see Shake and Frylock at the end of the hallway where Frylock's room is supposed to be. But instead of a door, we are greeted with a brick wall that has been built there. We can see the cement just plastered all over the place, just holding this thing there, blocking off Frylock's room. Additionally, of course, there are some proximity mines on the ground, and there is a hole in the floor in front of Frylock's room, and there, I believe, is another little hole at the bottom left of the frame. So clearly something has gone on here. The room is just quarantined off. And then we also see some sort of keypad against the wall. It says vid3 on it. That will make sense very soon. Propped up against the wall is the pink back scratcher that we saw in the episode The Meat Zone earlier this season. The very back scratcher that Meatwad destroyed because he had a vision of Master Shake hitting him with it when he got the lottery wrong. Uh, this is that same asset from The Meat Zone. So, of course, it is now fixed. It is a whole back scratcher. Maybe, maybe Master Shake had like a pack of two and this is the second one. Anyways, yeah, we see Frylock and Shake here. Frylock's room is plastered off, of course. And then the visual element to this is Shake will kind of hit the keypad and then three monitors will drop down from the ceiling. Of course, this is just insane. And this is really silly for Aqua Teen, in my opinion. But this is kind of the direction the show will continue to go in. A monitor just drops down from the ceiling and we see three different shots of Frylock's room and the room is just trashed. There is literal garbage everywhere, just just wasted food all over the place on Frylock's computer, uh, just everywhere. And I did notice a lot of these assets, these like trash piles, we can see in the episode Super Sirloin earlier this season because remember, we go to Super Sirloin's place at 612 Wharf Avenue and there's just food everywhere. And it's kind of the same stuff here. We see like Angela Dito bags, like discarded ones. We see old pizzas, just a lot of the same assets that we saw in Super Sirloin. Lastly, back to that pink back scratcher. It's there because Shake is going to use it to point at these monitors and kind of detail what's going on in the scenes. And, and there's rats, of course, in Frylock's room running all over everything. So let's give all of this a listen. What did you do to my room? Let you and I examine the video feed, huh? <laughs> See all these video monitors? This is exactly how bedrooms are set up in space. Good God, look at all this garbage all over my bed, my books, my equipment. Yeah. Well, mostly, we're concentrated in the lower sector of Quadrant A. What? My computer? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Those are layman's terms, of course, but yes. See, I put that there. And why is that? Look, you can see it from three different angles. So, of course, you know, it makes no sense. Shake's just bragging that he destroyed Frylock's bedroom and all of his equipment inside of it. The very equipment that pays their rent and, and, and buys their food and everything. I guess this opens up the question of where did this food come from? Was it the Aqua Teens food? I can't imagine. I, like, Did Shake just go out and get this from the dump? I have no idea, but I guess yeah, there's really no answer to it. Regardless of where the food is from, 
Frylock is done. He's going to float away back to the living room. Shake will follow him back. And Frylock will reveal that he is done living here with Shake. Where are you going? You want me to zoom in? Don't bother. We're done. <laughs> Hold on. Where are you going? I'm going to edit this. Well, you just have fun watching it by yourself because we're done being roommates and we're done being friends. Look, I had to do that. You'll understand one day when you're older. I'll send a crew for my stuff later. See ya. Now I can declare that space is a loss on the taxes I'll pay in August. Are you listening to me? August is when I do it. He's gone. Who cares? Change all the locks. Okay, but look, make sure you stay away from me, because look when I do this. <laughs> so that was Meatwad. He just pushes on a proximity mine, demonstrating why you should stay away from it. I realized the damn that Meatwad said there sounded a little familiar, so let me play you the damn that Meatwad said at the beginning of the episode and the damn we just listened to. There you have it, the exact same vocal take from Dave Willis. Uh, I guess they just decided maybe it was a little weird to not have Meatwad saying something there, or they thought it would elevate the joke if they had him saying damn, but instead of having Dave re-record the line, they just reused it. Simple as that, no big deal. But all right, Frylock has moved out, and we're gonna go see his new apartment. So we open in on a very modern, stylish-looking apartment. It's got these kind of olive green walls. It's got a little carpeted area. There's also a kitchen area with some nice tile. What looked to be maybe like marbly kind of countertops, white cabinets. Really nice place. Frylock really did well on this one. And we see some boxes because Frylock has just moved in. And on the boxes, we can see like books, pictures, and then kitchen. The kitchen boxes are in the kitchen, of course. These boxes... Apparently, from what I could tell, the same exact box assets we saw, for example, in Cybernetic Ghost, when Carl kind of moves out of his house because he sells it to Danzig. Of course, we're bringing it back to Danzig here. But, you know, uh, Carl, he has like porn and stuff written on his boxes. Frylock, he doesn't have any boxes like that from, from what I could see. So we see all those boxes, which is your kind of standard labeling on them. And then we also see Carl is there. Turns out Carl helped Frylock move because Carl was under the impression that that uh, the other Aqua Teens were moving as well. So that's why he helped them move because he's like, oh, finally, these freaks are out of here. But we will learn uh, in the clip that that's not the case, of course. But we see Carl standing there with a beer in his hand, and the beer says cerveza, which is which is Spanish for beer. And this is a new beer asset. However, it is not the first time we've seen it. This is the first time I'm mentioning it, but we actually saw it in the episode The Clowning. Now, I pointed out there that uh, Carl has a six-pack of beer. I think he says something like, oh, let's see where this 12-pack takes us, and it's actually a six-pack. That beer and that one was the Cerveza beer that we are seeing here. So we've seen this beer before. It's not the normal light beer cans that we normally see throughout the show or just the unmarked uh, brown beer bottles. This is a new asset, but it first showed up, to my knowledge, in the clowning. So that's really all the visuals that we get. Let's jump in and listen to this clip. Frylock, he's all moved in to his new apartment. Woo! Thanks for moving me, Carl. Yeah, well, <laughs> thanks for leaving. When are the other two showing up? Oh, they're not. What do you mean? They're not. <laughs> oh, you didn't know? They're staying back at the house next to you. That's not exactly what we agreed upon, is it? Well, I lied. But here's that candy cane I promised you. No, no, no. Save it for Christmas. Shove it just right back up your ass. I'll uh, see you never. Wait a minute, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute, Carl. I'll see you this weekend, right? I mean, it's a condo warming party. We're going to get all crazy up in here. What? You're going to have girls here? Do you know any? So Frylock, he, uh, he puts like 
the two fries that he uses as, as his arms out when he says party he like moves him up and down it's a really really funny animation i really like that and then of course he offers carla candy cane for helping him move it's just very very random i want to mention the last line really quickly when when carl's like you're gonna have girls here and then frylock's like do you know any of course a funny joke but i also like that it really plays into this world that the aqua teens live in because as we've discussed, you know, there have only been a handful or not even a handful, just a couple uh, women on the show at this point. And I, I said in a previous episode, I, I don't know which one, but I said it makes sense because these characters aren't going to know any women. That's why we never see any. It just really works in the world of this show because these are food monsters. Carl is a scumbag. It all makes sense why they don't actually know any women and why we never really see women in the show up until this point. But also, the timing on that joke is just funny as well. So, Frylock has moved out. You know, we got a little tour of his apartment. I should mention, too, that there is a balcony area. He seems to be up kind of in the sky. We can see out the window, there's a lot of tall buildings. So, he seems to live really downtown at this point. I guess the Rabbot isn't really wreaking much havoc at this point anymore. So, from there, we cut back to the Aqua Teen's house. And we see that Shake... He's been up to some more uh, whatever the fuck he is doing because their house is just filled with raw chickens now. This chicken asset seems to be the same as the turkey asset from the dressing, but in, in the dressing, it looks like a cooked one. Here, they look raw, but obviously in the dressing, they call it a turkey, and then here, they call these chickens, so that's why I'm going to be calling this a chicken, and, and that was a turkey, even though the asset looks to be about the same. I'm sure there are probably differences between the two. So we're going to see the hallway and the living room. The carpet at this point is very stained. There's a little bit more stains on the walls. There's like a stain on the on the refrigerator and just, yeah, just it's just nasty. There's rats everywhere. You'll hear flies. There's just a, a pile of chickens all over the place of these raw chickens. And Shake, he is holding a wooden baseball bat and he's trying to play uh, like baseball, but with chickens with Meatwad, which is kind of cute. I like that him and Meatwad are, are trying to play. But Meatwad, he's having a hard time because his eyes, they're like inflamed. The, uh, the tissue around his eyes are at least. He's having a hard time seeing and it's kind of gross. And the episode, I'll, I'll tell you, I guess, trigger warning now. It gets grosser from here. Let's jump into this scene. All right. Now throw that chicken right down the middle. Okay, it's going to go right out of the park, baby. <laughs> Where are you? Where's, where's the strike zone? Over here. Follow my voice. I can't see. I got some sort of chicken infection in my eye. All right. Fine. Go down the hallway and wash it out. No, sir. I'm never going down that hallway, never again. Then you pitch that chicken. So the good times, they didn't last for long because uh, Shake is getting uh, aggressive here. So I guess it's not even so much a fun little time of them playing together. It's Shake forcing a, a Meatwad to play this with him. But I just like how excited Shake is. He's like, yeah, just follow my voice. Like, he's really excited to hit this chicken with a baseball bat. But yeah, Meatwad, he can't see as his eyes are all messed up. He's got some sort of chicken infection from, you know, touching raw chicken and then touching his eyes and everything. You know, it, obviously, if you touch raw chicken, you should wash your hands after. It's a, it's a breeding ground for some real insidious shit. And of course, we get the always interesting mention of some sort of bathroom that they have. Now, it's established that they don't have a bathroom, but also we've seen Meatwad shower. And then Shake here is like, yeah, go down the hall and wash out your eyes. So we know they have a shower and a tub we can assume now they have a sink or I guess you could wash your eyes out in the shower as well. Surprise Shake didn't say go in the kitchen and wash out your eyes because we've seen the sink in the kitchen. 
So just really up in the air. You know, we've talked about this bathroom situation before, so I'm not going to dwell on it. But we heard a knock on the door, so that's going to break this scene up. I like that we cut back. We see what they're up to. But then Frylock is here now to break up the scene. We're going to see Frylock. He has on a purple bike helmet. Then he has some fries sticking out of it. And also the fries that he uses as arms are sticking out of the top of the helmet. You know how in bike helmets they have that uh, the, like those those openings or slits. I don't know what the term is. I assume it's to get some airflow on your head or something so that your head doesn't just sweat. I don't know what the purpose is, but that's what's going on. He's got fries sticking out, and he's got a bike. It's a very nice-looking kind of sports bike here. I believe that the uh, branding on it is Kanga Ride. And it's hard to tell because, of course, as always, the low resolution of these episodes. But the colors kind of blend together towards the end of the word. So I can't really make it out. But it's, it's mostly a blue bike, uh, kind of a royal blue color. And there are some green accents. Kanga Ride, I assume that's what it says, is written in green. There's a little water bottle on the bike. It's a really nice bike. Looks like Frylock is doing well. We're going to hear about how well he is doing. But looking up Kanga Ride, again, I assume that's what it says. There is a 2006 Canadian rideshare company with that name. I guess it was founded in 2006. Gotta wonder if they were inspired by this episode of Aqua Teen Hunger Force. So, all right, Frylock, he's knocking on the door. He's checking in on his uh, old roommates here. Shake's gonna answer the door. Let's hear how it goes. Hey, Shake. How you doing? I just, uh... <laughs> Slammed the door in his face. Why are you here? Do you need money or something? Who's at the door? Describe the door. Well, I just wanted to invite you guys to the party, the condo warming party I'm having. A party? Yeah, Rich. That's a crackerjack. Listen, I won't be there. I don't think Meatwad will either. Meatwad, a beggar is here for some money. <laughs> Please show him what you use for money. Hey, Meatwad. So I'm going to cut in real quick. Frylock, you know, he's talking to Meatwad. He's going to notice Meatwad's eyes at this point. And Meatwad will be kind of rubbing his eyes. And then just this disgusting just squirt of just green kind of liquid will squirt out of there while he's rubbing it. So they'll kind of address that. What's wrong with your eye? I got me a chicken infection. And that's perfectly <laughs> all right. He wanted it, and I said, sure. <laughs> Things have been fine since you left, you know. He's actually gotten better. Ooh, maybe I should bring you some penicillin, Meatwad. Or at least take it to the doctor, get it looked at. We don't need your black magic from your witch doctor in the city. So I like uh, this this calling to witch doctor because, of course, season three, just a couple episodes away, uh, kicks off with a witch doctor, billywitchdoctor.com, but we're not quite there yet. We're still in season two. We're still in the episode, The. And in this scene, I noticed a funny visual error. We have a close-up of Frylock, and that's when he says uh, that he, he should take Meatwad to the doctor. You can see a random kind of pinkish-purple line to the left uh, behind their window. It, it makes no sense why it's there. I assume that there's just nothing behind there and, and we kind of get a peek at it, whatever's going on. But it's a funny little visual error that I didn't see really mentioned anywhere else. Gotta say, I love the joke of, of Shake. Like, yeah, he said he wanted the chicken infection, so I let him have it or, or whatever he says. I, I think that's a really clever line. So, okay, jumping back into the scene again, because, you know, this conversation is still going on. Shake said, we don't need your witch doctor in the city. And then there's kind of a long pause. And then Shake will notice... Frylock's bike. But your bike is pretty nice. Yeah, I actually joined a club. <laughs> we go upstate to go trail riding on the weekends. You go riding with nature and fresh air and no raw chicken? I want to join this club. Can I join your club? Chickens are a vital link in nature's chain, <laughs> and that's why we use them to play chicken ball in the house. Now, if you'll excuse us, you have rudely interrupted our dinner. Well, hang on, I want... Oh, poor Meatwad. You know, he just he's like, oh, you, you go outside riding bikes with nature and fresh air. But you think Meatwad would be getting some fresh air with the whole fucking wall missing in their living room. But uh, I guess everything is so polluted around them, as we will see soon. 
that that's not really a possibility. But we hear that, you know, Frylock, he's joined a, a bike club. He's having a good time. He's living his best life. And I just love the idea of him riding a bike, okay? First of all, he flies. Like, why does he need to, a bike? What, what really does he get out of that? He could just fly everywhere he wants to go. But more so, how does he ride this bike? I really don't understand how he rides the bike at all. I would love to see him try and ride it because we never do see him ride it. He's just there with the bike. And interestingly enough, pretty soon here, he's going to just ditch the bike. So we'll get to that in a second. But yeah, again, he flies. So what does he need it for? I actually like uh, something I forgot to mention in this episode is the whole bit in the hallway with the mines when Frylock just flies over them to go to where his room is and shake can't. I like that they acknowledged again that Frylock can fly because... You know, they kind of brought that up in the first episode, Rabot, and I like when they mention it, when they actually, uh, it's a part of the plot that Frylock can fly, because as we've discussed so many times, they ignore the fact that Frylock can fly because it would just ruin the plot. For example, in Dumber Dolls, when Shake, uh, he falls off the cliffside and he's kind of stuck there, Frylock could just fly down and grab him like no problem. We've seen Frylock move Shake effortlessly many times, so you'd think that would be an easy solution, but they usually ignore it. So I like when they do actually uh, acknowledge that Frylock does fly. But all right, the door is slammed in Frylock's face. We're going to get a really quick clip inside the Aqua Teen's house because they're kind of talking about dinner and Shake, he's just going to pull out like a generic mustard packet and start eating that. That's his dinner. I don't know. Where is yours? Because this is my mustard. <laughs> God, that's his meal right there. His uh, mustard meal. Gotta love it. So as I said previously now, Frylock at this point, he just flies over to Carl's house. And it's like, yeah, he does go to talk to Carl. But also, it seems like he just leaves his bike completely. Uh, just Again, you know, it would be too hard for them to try and animate him bringing the bike with him because it's just a static image, really. So I understand why they left it. It's just really funny that he's there with his bike and then he just seemingly leaves it at the Aqua Teen's house. But he's going to go talk to Carl, who's standing outside. And we will see Carl, and his eyes clearly have something wrong with them. Similar to what Meatwad's got going on, but not as bad. His eyes just look a little messed up. Hey, Fryman, you back? Hey, what are you doing? Are you back for good? Or are you moving in? Or what, what, what's the story here? <laughs> nah, just visiting, Carl. Well, look, don't breathe in. Something's wrong with the air since you left. Look at my eye. Is this normal? No, it's not. Ooh, which one? Oh, they're both bad now? Come on! <laughs> I know I was feeling tingling over there. Oh, that's just mild conjunctivitis. It's a standard reaction to raw chickens and, uh... Styrofoam burning. Yeah, that's how they keep warm over there. <laughs> Come on, man. Look at that cloud. That ain't normal. No, it's not. Well... See you at my party. Wait, don't go. C go come back. I, I, I need you. I need a prescription or something. Where are you? So Frylock reveals that, that Carl just has mild conjunctivitis, which is basically pink eye, which I'm not sure if I've mentioned on the show before, but I have had pink eye when I was a kid. I remember, I, I'm pretty sure I know where I got it from. I was at the mall and I played, there was like a little play place at the mall. I played in it and then sure enough, a couple days later, like a day later or something, your boy had pink eye and it was horrible. I feel like I've told this before, so I'll keep it short. But yeah, just, you know, waking up, I can't even open my eyes because they're so crusted shut. My mom would have to, like, get me a washcloth every morning to, like, put on my eyes to, to slowly begin the day. Just not a great time at all. And, and luckily, I've avoided pink eyes since then. I've stayed out of those mall play places. But let me tell you, goddammit, I don't know how much longer I can resist. So we learn that the Aqua Teens, or uh, rather Meatwad and Shake, are burning styrofoam to stay warm over at their house. And then we see a, a black fog basically over their house. I forgot to mention that visual up front. But yeah, there's just some black smoke, just or a haze rather, just engulfing their house. 
And yeah, Carl, he's starting to get the effects of it. And this is an interesting episode, too, because it touches on, I guess, uh, environmental poverty. I don't know if that's the right word, but basically how how impoverished people can just get screwed over specifically by factories and corporations usually moving to their neighborhood and pumping toxins into the air. And then, you know, they suffer the health effects from it and they can't afford to move away from it. And that's kind of what's going on with Carl. Of course, it's a little bit different because uh, this has all been in the span of a week. It's not a, a corporation doing this. It's fucking Master Shake for whatever reason is doing this. But still, it kind of gives me hints of that. And in that clip, of course, you heard Carl was hopeful and like excited that Frylock was seemingly moving back because Frylock kept this under control. This episode shows us what happens when Frylock, he, he doesn't rein in Master Shake. When Master Shake is left to his own devices, he basically uh, kills everyone around him, essentially. But as you heard, Frylock doesn't really care. All he cares about is his housewarming party. He wants Carl to show up to it. And before we go to our next clip, which is the day of the party, I really need to tell you that back to my whole thing about Frylock leaving his bike. So he goes from the Aqua Teen's house left over to Carl's house. He talks to Carl. And then while he's kind of talking to Carl, he leaves Carl after that conversation. He continues to go left. So Frylock literally just leaves his bike at the Aqua Teen's house. So pretty funny there. So now we cut ahead. We are at the day of the party. Frylock is getting things ready. He's got a beautiful spread, all sorts of food, a cooler with, you know, lots of ice, lots of beer. We got some Angeladitos. We've got some nachos. We've got some sub sandwiches, some chicken wings, and maybe carrot sticks too. And what looks probably like ranch. So really nice selection here. I could chow down on some of that food right now. And Frylock, he's checking his messages. His, his answering machine has blown up. Of course, this a relic of the past in a sense. But he's checking his messages while getting everything ready. I should mention too that there are like paper plates and, and condiments and, and red solo cups out as well. The last thing I want to say before we jump into the actual clip itself is it's really fun to see, because Frylock has moved in at this point, it's fun to see how the guys who worked on the show rearranged and reassembled all of Frylock's furniture, his personal belongings in this new space, because it's all the same stuff he had in his old bedroom, just in this new space now. So that must have been fun to kind of rearrange this new, this new room and living space for Frylock out of the assets that they already had for him. But anyways, yeah, Frylock, he's checking his messages now while he's getting ready for the party. And I do want to mention this appears to be a new phone. It's not like their normal phone from the Aqua Teen's house. So he didn't take the Aqua Teen's phone. This is just a new kind of cordless phone that's a little bit different design than what we are used to. But it's not super notable. So let's listen to these messages. First up calling is Ned Hastings, or at least his voice. I don't know that it's supposed to be him in the show. The voice of Ned Hastings producer and editor on Aqua Teen. He's going to explain how he can't come to the party. Then we'll get some familiar voices. Hey, guy. Love to make your party, but no can do. I'm having my foot removed, <laughs> plus I'm sick, <laughs> and my, my grandmother's sick, too. See you, guy. <laughs> hey, it's Carl. I don't think I'll make your party, buddy. My uh, eyes have closed completely now. And the police do not care. So if you can see your phone, please hit 911. Hey, Frylock, we'll be at your party at 7. Do, do you need us to bring anything, or can we have money for a tax? I told you not to call him. Get up that phone. Please, Frylock, I can't see. So our first caller there, of course, again, voiced by Ned Hastings. At least he called to let Frylock know that he wouldn't be there. I feel like most people, especially people that you don't really know, 
just wouldn't come and that would be it. So he he seemingly tried to give an explanation. He's very bad at lying. You know, oh, I'm getting my foot removed. Also, I'm sick. But he was trying to be nice. So, you know, it, it's it's unfortunate for Frylock, but that dude was being pretty solid. Then we get Carl. He can't see anymore. So like that's why he can't come. And Frylock, kind of an asshole. He just has like a mad look on his face. It's like, dude, Carl's actually having a medical emergency and you don't give a shit. All you care about is your stupid fucking party. And of course, it's not just Carl saying, sorry, I can't come. He's asking for help. And Frylock seemingly doesn't help him. Although there is kind of some ambiguity there, which we will get back to. But lastly, Meatwad calls, and this is honestly one of the most heartbreaking moments of this show, I think. It's so sad. Meatwad wants to come, but Shake won't let him. And also, Meatwad can't really afford to come. Like, they need, he needs money to get there. And kind of weird that Frylock wouldn't, like, help him get there. Just really strange. And this leads to a huge plot hole that blows this whole episode open. Why is Frylock leaving Meatwad with Shake? This makes no sense whatsoever. Meatwad is a child. Frylock has shown time and time again he cares about Meatwad. He cares for Meatwad. And then he just leaves him with Shake because he's mad at Shake. That makes no fucking sense. It's just, yeah, it just, you know, blows the whole episode open. That uh, if, if Meatwad wasn't there with Shake, then we probably wouldn't care. I think Meatwad has to be at the house for us to care at all about what's going on at the house because, yeah, Meatwad is just getting fucked over because of his new caretaker's attitude and because of his new caretaker's actions. He's he's having these health issues. He can't come to Frylock's party, all this stuff. And again, so outside of Frylock's character, you would think, yeah, Frylock's done taking care of these guys. But Meatwad didn't do anything wrong. It wasn't Meatwad's fault any of this stuff happened. And I wonder if in the script it was implied more that Meatwad helped Shake. I would love to see an original script here because I feel like you know, obviously there's so much ambiguity to why is Shake doing any of this? I wonder if in the original script, things were explained a little bit more. Like if Meatwad helped Shake get all that trash to put in Frylock's room. I have no idea. The point of the clip, apparently nobody's coming to the party. Or so you would think. Well, I mean, that is kind of the case. Spoilers. But Jay Wade Edwards, he's about to... uh surprisingly burst into Frylock's house. He doesn't knock. He just opens the door. Although I guess if you expect there to be a party going on, you might just come in. I don't know. Maybe Frylock told him to come in. Who knows? Jay, he just opens the door. He lets himself in. To describe Jay in this episode, it's kind of like the Ned Hastings drawing. It's just a pretty simplistic guy. And that really serves a purpose that I'll get into later. But yeah, Jay, he's got on red glasses because he has glasses in real life, kind of a, a yellow green kind of shirt on and then just dark pants and brown shoes. And he has his hands at his hips. I love the pose on Jay's model here. It's so funny. So Jay's coming in. He's letting himself in. He feels pretty comfortable here. Let's hear what he's got to say. Hey, Jay, what's happening? You came. Did you bring your toga? Am I late? Oh, I don't think so. It goes on until question marks. Yeah, I, I saw that. Who knows what that is, right? Um, I got a message from my wife. If it's cool with you, could you just stay away from our dog and children in our apartment? Why? Uh, did something happen? No, or... no. It's not, you know, it's not you. It's the fact that people see us with you. Oh, well. That's what it is. Hey, you want a beer? For the road? No, no, I got to I'll go. let you no, pour it. No, thanks. We've got some human beings coming over, and we're going to do human being stuff. So, you know, stay away. Damn it, this sucks. Jay is pretty nice to Frylock here, even though he's breaking some pretty bad and harsh news. 
two discrepancies here that I want to point out. First of all, Jay does not have kids in real life. And second of all, I don't know that Jay would ever turn down a beer. I think he'd want to try it out and critique it, but perhaps he knew Frylock was only packing the cheap shit, so he wasn't particularly interested. But let me play you now some of my conversation with Jay. Of course, again, check out the full interview if you have not heard it yet, but here is a segment I kept out of the interview to play for this episode. Let's give it a listen. I want to talk now about the episode that you appeared on, the episode The, and I'm wondering how did they come about putting you in that episode? My speculation is you were jealous that Ned got to be in an episode and you wanted to be in one as well. <laughs> they offered. I, I I would never ask to actually um, do any acting. I'm I'm not a I'm not, I'm not a performer or actor. But they were just like I think you. They were just like I think you should play. Like they were constantly putting the crew into episodes. Um, so they just came to me and said, do you want to play the neighbor? I was like, all right. And so like, so like, like the entire process of the production of my part of production was to like stand in front of that white wall and they took a photo of me <laughs> and then that became my animation. And they kept like, they did go around and round about my hand gestures and they finally were like, do seven hand gestures. What was the recording like? Were you very nervous or were you, did you not really care? No, I, I, I knew the episode. I edited part of the episode, so I knew what we needed. And I, I find, I, like I watched the episode this week, and I find my voice to be very reedy and thin and not voiceoverly at all. <laughs> um, but that's just everyone thinks that about their own voice. But maybe it's appropriate for the character. I w well, yeah, I would like to touch on that because in commentary tracks, uh, Bob Pettit says that when he makes the backgrounds, they're meant to serve as kind of a straight man to the characters that are so ridiculous and your performance in that episode is just of a normal guy. You're not really trying to be like this big character. And it's a big reminder and almost a slap in the face to the audience that like, hey, these are food monsters because we kind of forget about that watching the show because everything is kind of crazy. But they do live in this real world. So when you just show up and you're like, yeah, don't don't come by my family anymore. That's super realistic of what would actually happen in real life. Yeah. Yeah. The first time I showed that episode to people, everyone was like, oh, Frylock. <laughs> And like, he's a box of french fries. <laughs> exactly. Like as a character, he is very, you know, level-headed and, and and polite. But at the same time, he is a food monster and you wouldn't really want to associate with him. And um, so you kind of touched on it. But uh, like, were you excited for that episode to air specifically? Did you catch it when it came out the night it aired? Did you did your friends and family watch it when it premiered? I don't I don't think we did any of that. I'm mostly annoyed in that the episode is called The, yeah. The, The, so it's impossible <laughs> yeah. to Google. Mm -hmm. I always forget what episode number it is, and I can't look it up. Sure. You know, I do have, I, I, I do have like, the illustrations um, from the animation, and so I use them as my, you know, avatars all the time still. Another editing question for you. There are four editors credited on that episode. Could you tell me why four editors might be needed for an episode of Aqua Teen? It was like they needed someone to move on to another episode. So it gets once it's like in shape and needs a little cleanup, it gets passed on to another editor, maybe a more junior editor to do a little cleanup or a little some revisions later on because I'm starting because Ned and I, who are the lead editors, are starting a new episode from scratch. So everybody kind of gets an equal editor credit, give or take. So there you have it, just a few questions that I had for Jay about this episode, and he delivered. 
in retrospect, now that I am covering this episode, it's like, oh, I wish I asked him this. I wish I asked him that. So lesson learned because when I interviewed him, that was several weeks ago as of this recording. I had not started really researching into this episode yet. Of course, I watched it a few times and, and jotted down questions for him. But, you know, now that I'm actually deep diving, it's like, oh, I have all these other questions. So lesson learned. Look, I'm still new talking to people. I'll learn. I'll get better. But yeah, that is some of the conversation we had about this episode. So let's keep on with the episode now. So if you will remember, Jay, uh, he he was still somewhat polite, but he he did let down Frylock like, hey, not only am I not coming to your housewarming party, but also stay away from me, my family, my dog. We don't want anything to do with you. So poor Frylock here, as I said to Jay in that conversation, I love how he read it. I love how he played it because... Again, like I said there, these are food monsters. We forget that. When I'm watching the show, I don't even really register that as much anymore. It's just like, yeah, these are the characters, of course. And, you know, Carl's cool with them. And otherwise, they're mostly just running across these kind of freakazoid other creatures like themselves. They don't run across many normal human beings. So we forget that aspect of it. So whenever these normal human beings do show up, it's always a treat to remember that these are monsters, essentially. So it puts this whole world back into perspective, a perspective that we have potentially lost since the first few episodes. Anyways, Jay, he's out. Frylock, he's just sad. He's desperate. He wants somebody to come to this housewarming party. So he hops on his computer and he calls up the Moonanites. Hey. Hey, yourself. Welcome to the <laughs> rock. What are y'all doing tonight? Well, I wonder who wants to know. All right, look. I know we've had a lot of differences in the past, but, uh... But what? I've hacked into your mind. You're having a party and no one's showing up. No? But how did you know that? Sadness surrounds <laughs> us, doesn't it, Earth? Sadness is for poor people. We may be able to squeeze by, but we can't promise anything. We're busy. We're busy. Because on the moon, our weekends are so far advanced. They encompass the entire week. That is right. Jobs <laughs> have been phased out by our minds. We get checks from the government, and we spend it on beer. Mexican beer. That's the cheapest of all beers. Well, I mean, I got some beer here and a few chicken wings. So you hear now the Moon Knights, uh, they are coming down. I, I can't separate that audio out. The Moon Knights, they're sold. There's beer. And I like how Ur mentions Mexican beer, the cheapest of beer. And, and Frylock, we saw earlier, had Mexican beer. So uh, the, right in line there, I suppose uh, Jay sniffed it out. That's why he didn't want to try any of the beer. But the Moon Knights, yeah, they bought it. I, li I like the conversation there. I like, you know, Frylock is just defeated calling the these guys surprise of all people that's who he calls because like seems like he gets along with the plutonians a little bit better than the uh moon knights the moon knights he explicitly seems to dislike at least up until this point so a little bit of a shocker he calls them but that's who he calls desperate times they call for desperate measures man he's got to get some people up to this party as opposed to it's kind of weird as opposed to just uh going and getting meatwad to hang out with him still strange but whatever so the moon knights they're coming in, and you may have noticed, I'm, in fact, I'm, I'm sure you did, Ur's voice is much deeper there. Of course, we have Matt Malero voicing Ur, and they pitch his voice up. I don't know what happened. I don't know why this would be, and I assume nobody would remember what happened, but they just probably didn't pitch it up correctly. They didn't put in the right value to pitch it up. I don't know. One thing we need to talk about, though, is that Ignignox knew exactly what was going on. He says that he basically read Frylock's mind 
And he was right. He knew exactly what was happening to Frylock. So how did Ignignac know that? Can he actually read minds? Very surprising here because it totally checks out. He was completely right about that. So just, uh, yeah, who knows? I guess he has this hidden power he never thought to mention and that he is kind of bringing up now and, and nobody seems to care about that he can hack people's minds. Back to the clips, though. So, yeah, the, the Moonanites are here now. They instantly hear that there's beer. They come down. And then Ur and Ignoc, they land their ship on Frylock's balcony. They break through the glass door, like the sliding glass door. They run in, grab, uh, Ignignoc grabs some wings, and then Ur grabs a six-pack of beer, and they leave instantly while Ignignoc is flipping off Frylock. Is that right? This is mine! See you in hell. Yeah, give him the finger! <laughs> Damn. They could at least stay and talk for a minute. So now you hear uh, some footsteps. The Moon Knights are coming back now, which it makes no sense, right? The ship flew away. We heard it fly away, but suddenly they're just back in Frylock's place, and they're suddenly going to start vandalizing everything. Er, with kind of a red spray paint. He's, he's just running around the whole room, spray painting lines all over the place. And then we see Ignignoct more slyly. He has a spray paint stencil that says fart in like a fancy font. So he's he's doing that. So there's like fancy uh, fart written in green on, on Frylock's equipment and stuff on, in his house. Very funny. I never realized that Ignignoct was doing that, I think. I'm always so focused on Er because it kind of follows Er as he's doing that. He's yelling Vandalizino. We follow him around. Maybe he's all hyped up on his Mexican. Mexican beer. Uh, they follow him around with the camera, and Frylock is just angrily chasing her around the the condo while Ignignoct is just, you know, in the back, slyly just spray painting fart. Talk to the can! So there's that. The Moon and I stop back in for another tiny little cameo. I actually uh, pitched this clip up so that Earth sounds more normal. Let me play it for you. Talk to the can! Out of here. Frylock, of course, sounding a little silly, but yeah, I just pitched it up by two semitones, and then Er to me sounds spot on for what you would expect. So again, I don't know what happened there, but for whatever, his voice is accidentally left a little deeper than intended. So that's it with the Moon Knights. It's just some random humor here. As this episode goes on, I realize it's just kind of a series of just one-off kind of jokes like this. They're just throwing stuff our way, but. But anyways, we're going to cut back to the Aqua Teens neighborhood to see what's going on over there. It, it, it seems to be at some point in the future because Frylock will be there momentarily. But we get an establishing shot of Carl's house and parked out front we see an ambulance. I believe this to be a new asset. I cannot recall a time when there was an ambulance elsewhere in the show. So we have Carl being loaded into this ambulance. And we see him, like, he's on a stretcher being loaded in. His face is really fucked up. His eyes are way worse than before, and his cheeks are kind of puffy. He just looks horrible. He's loaded into the ambulance, then the ambulance starts to drive away, and then Carl falls out the back. Like, the stretcher just falls out the back as the ambulance is driving away. Carl falling out into the road. So, very funny. The best visual gag of the episode, hands down, and maybe one of the best of Aqua Teen. Just poor Carl. He cannot catch a break. So, earlier in the episode, I speculated oh, maybe Frylock helps out. However, we do get some dialogue where Frylock is like, oh, what's with the ambulance at the beginning of the clip? So Frylock didn't know, which may doesn't make sense because Carl's like, hey, I can't see. Can you help me? I thought Frylock did help Carl ultimately, but that does not appear to be the case. 
Somehow Carl got help from the ambulance, but it wasn't from Frylock. So this makes me really think less of Frylock because of this. He leaves Meatwad at this fucking house. He does not call the ambulance for Carl. What a shitty guy. Anyways, poor Carl. Yeah, he falls out the back of the ambulance. And also in that shot, we can see there is, you know, the air is clearly polluted at this point. There is a black smog everywhere from the styrofoam burning at the Aqua Teen's house. So we get that like quick joke. I'm not going to play that as its own clip because it's like two seconds of audio of Carl falling out of the ambulance on the stretcher. Then we cut into the Aqua Teen's house and we see Shake. His eyes are starting to get bothered like Meatwads were previously. You know, he's got like gunk and stuff in his eyes. He's got pink eye at this point. It's starting to get worse. And then we see Meatwad. And he just looks like shit. His eyes basically are completely grown over by his, uh, I don't know, inflammation, I guess. I don't know how else to describe this, especially because he's meat. So I don't know like what the terms here would be. But Meatwad is standing by a pile of burning styrofoam and garbage. And I see a car battery in the pile. I see, you know, an empty milk jug. Just horrible, horrible shit you should not be burning ever. That's where Meatwad is hanging out by, poor guy. There's just a bunch of rats all over, of course, just chilling. So that's really the visual elements of this scene. Let's jump in and hear how it goes. Hey, hey, what's up with the ambulance? Meatwad, it's for you. Someone who thinks he's your friend. Bring him over to the life. Ooh, Meatwad, how are you doing? Oh, Frylock, hey, I'm very... Can I tell you the truth? Meet one! I'm very good! If you're that good, then maybe you should be putting some more foam on our fire. I'm not an Eskimo over here, you know. <laughs> well, your face looks all puffy. No, no, I'm just tired. I, I fell down some stairs. We don't have any stairs, Meatwad. He said he <laughs> fell down some stairs. He fell down some stairs. People get clumsy sometimes. Is there a problem here? He's sick, Shake, and so are you. I mean, I'm laughing, but at the same time, this is just like really sad. Again, this is just like the saddest I think that Aqua Teen gets definitely up until this point. There's definitely moments where I feel bad for Meatwad. You know, PDA comes to mind when Shake puts Meatwad in the cage and then he puts it in Carl's pool and, and basically drowns Meatwad. That's sad, but this is just like way sadder, I think. This is just long-term neglect of essentially a child. Meatwad can't even see and Shake is just making up excuses for all this. But anyways, the episode isn't over here. Uh, Shake is going to explain how Meatwad is supposed to be like farming. They're farmers now. That's how they eat because Frylock isn't there to give them food anymore. And then Meatwad will have just like uh, just branches, I guess, from a bush. And I'm assuming these are supposed to be the bushes from Carl's house, but I'm not sure. Well, he's supposed to be next door harvesting the crops, picking our dinner. See, we're farming now. We're farmers. It's an honest life. We ain't got no more holly leaves over there. We ate that whole bush yesterday. That's why the bathroom hurts so bad. Well, what else did you plant over there? I planted nothing. That's why you fall down the stairs all the time. Oh, this is sad. Like, I don't even know what to say about this at this point. Uh, but there is something visual in that clip. Frylock, uh, during that conversation, he floats over to the uh, cable spool that they use for kind of a table up by the window. And he puts some ointment up there. It's just like a generic tube of it just says ointment on it. And then he also puts some spring rolls up on the table. It's a plate with a mountain of spring rolls on it. No idea where he pulled this out of. Like the ointment, I understand he probably had it in his box. But he has like a whole cooked thing of spring rolls. Like I never saw him making them or anything. Just silly. 
Are those those little burritos you used to make? Burritos? Well, they're spring rolls. Give me those! I also brought you some ointment for your eyes. Give me that ointment. And some vitamin C. Mm. Spring. No meat wadded for your eyes. I need anything right now. I need something in my stomach. Oh. I like these are good. Remember we used to make these every Thursday? You know, burrito <laughs> Thursday? Yeah, they're spring rolls, though. Wow. They're good. Where's oh. mm. everybody? Oh. So really sad there, you know, Meatwad, he just starts eating the ointment. But there is some comedic relief where Meatwad thinks the spring rolls are, uh, they are burritos. Even though he's eaten a few, he's like, yeah, remember we used to make these burritos? And it's clearly it wouldn't be burritos, but uh, so, some nice humor there, some much needed humor after how just really fucking depressing this whole episode is. And I mean, I'll give you my full thoughts later, but I don't remember this episode being so depressing, but it really is. Maybe it's just when you watch it this way, when you're trying to analyze it and realize how sad everything really is. I don't know. I forgot to mention, but you heard in the clip too that Frylock put down a giant bottle of vitamin C vitamins just to help shake and meet Wad kind of uh, fight their infections, I assume. Looking it up here, vitamin C is known to prevent or reduce inflammation in the eyes. So thoughtful of Frylock to, to do all this. Let's hear exactly how Shake thanks Frylock for doing all this. This has gone well. So I tell you what, mm, hold on. I will allow visitation hours for you and us provided you bring lots of these little fried burritos. Well, <laughs> no. I'll see y'all later. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Hey, hang on. And you pay us a stipend. You shake, see ya. No, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. Hang on. Hang on now. Come on. I'm, I'm being serious now. Seriously. A memorial plaque will be carved and bejeweled in my honor. <laughs> he left. Oh, yeah. Those are the terms. So that uh, music and fire you hear, we cut to the Aqua Teen's house. It's just engulfed in flames. These flames, a, a more particle effect kind of flame like we saw in the dressing, uh, not the typical kind of space ghost campfire effect that we are used to seeing. This is a bunch of uh, newer, more high-tech flames all over the house. And surprise here that Meatwad knew that Frylock had left. Uh, you know, evidently he couldn't see anything but then he was able to navigate himself outside because as that scene goes on, Frylock is like going outside to leave. Meatwad could navigate his way outside down the sidewalk and then also tell that Frylock is gone. Kind of uh, silly there. And a visual thing I forgot to mention that's, that's pretty funny is, is at, it's at one point, Shake takes the plate of spring rolls and he puts them on Meatwad's head so that Meatwad can't keep eating them because, you know, at, at a certain point, after eating the ointment, Shake takes the uh, spring rolls and puts them on Meatwad's head so he can have them all to himself. Anyways, we just have one last short clip. Let's just wrap this episode up. We cut now to Frylock in his condo, and then he gets a call. He answers it. It's Shake. His eyes are even worse this time. We see he's in the house, but there's a bunch of fire everywhere. It doesn't make sense why he went back inside. And he has a simple request for Frylock. Hello? Aren't you coming back? Hell no. So that's it. Aren't you coming back? Surprised that he's like, aren't you coming back? I, I, you figure he would ask... Can I come live with you because my fucking house is on fire and I have nowhere to live anymore? But that's the episode. That is the. So normally I read comments from what was called the Toon Zone Forum back in 2003 when the episode aired. And I'm not going to do that this week just because there's not really much to say. Basically, everyone was like, yeah, it was all right, but it was just kind of an average episode. It wasn't anything great. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. So not really much to get into. Of course, if you want to read this thread, check the link in the show notes. You can check it out there. But all right, let me give you my thoughts on this one. 
Really, I think this is a solid episode. My one complaint really is I feel like the exposition, like the there's like three minutes leading up to Frylock leaving. I feel like they could have just started the episode with Frylock leaving, showed the state of the house. We, the viewers, would be like, all right, I get it. I get why he's leaving. He's abandoning these roommates. But otherwise, I like the way that it really demonstrates that the Aqua Teens and Carl need Frylock. This episode really demonstrates what I've been saying on this podcast the whole time since day one, basically is that this show needs Frylock. He may not be the flashiest character that everyone loves. You know, I know Shake, Meatwad, Carl get more love, but Frylock is the crucial component to Aqua Teen because without Frylock, it's just raw, pure chaos. And the show, in my opinion, isn't as enjoyable without him because nothing would happen. And to demonstrate that, in this episode, I liked the parts with Frylock at his apartment way more than the stuff going on at the Aqua Teen's house. And, you know, this episode is a microcosm of that because take Frylock out of the equation, most of the episodes, nothing is going to happen. It's just going to be Shake picking on Meatwad. That's it. So this episode straight up just shows how important Frylock is. I also like how they kind of explore this more depressing territory with Aqua Teen that we haven't seen up until this point. But really, the biggest moments of joy for me were just watching Frylock get rejected. He's trying to be a normal guy. He can't quite pull it off. Ned doesn't want to hang out. Jay doesn't want to hang out. And then he has to resort to calling in the, the Moon and Knights. And the reason I wish that they got to the action quicker if they kind of cut out that first three minutes is because then we could have three more minutes for the Moon and Knights or three minutes for, for you know, Jay or Ned or even the Plutonians to come in. Just something else I think would have been a little bit more interesting there. And I say that because this is, to my knowledge, the only episode where this kind of thing happens where Frylock moves out. Now, uh, soft spoilers, I've said this on the podcast before regarding Plantasm. This is kind of the plot of Plantasm is my understanding. Again, I don't know anything other than what has been officially released and discussed on this podcast, but they do kind of revisit this idea, which I find super intriguing. This notion of Frylock not needing the Aqua Teens obviously stuck with Matt and Dave, and that whole idea was first explored here. So I'm excited to see how Plantasm stacks up against this episode. Although, of course, in Plantasm, the Aqua Teens do get back together. In this episode, it ends with Frylock saying no, which of course is not canon, because in the next episode, the cloning, Frylock is back in action. So having said all that, I think I have to give this one a 3.5 out of 5, simply because I feel like I was a little too teased with the whole Frylock being on his own thing. Again, they do go on to explore that 20 years later in a feature film, but I would have liked to have seen more of it. And it's a solid episode, but I think a lot of the jokes didn't really land with me. But that's all right. I hope you like this one. Again, you can head on over to the Dancing is Forbidden Discord server linked in the show notes to find the thread associated with this episode and let me know what you're thinking. In the meantime, thank you so much for listening, and I just really wanted to shout out the homies this week, but Jay told me he would not come on my podcast unless I let him shout out the homies, so I hate to do this, but all right, Jay, take it away. I want to thank these people for supporting the podcast. Sean, Ian, Keenan, Captain Buford, Brian, Robison, Carl, Reverend Raven 46 I want to let you know, I'll come to your housewarming party any day of the week. Just stay away from my family. Who's at the door? Describe them to me.